0: hello everyone and welcome to what would the smart party do this time i can't do my with me as always is baz because he's unavailable lockdowns had its toll on all of us but fear not dear listeners it's not just me for an hour monologuing although do write in if that's what you want because it can definitely be arranged i do have with me a good friend of the show the author of the burn after running blog the organizer of goplay leads and conversion gem extraordinaire mr guy milner how you doing guy
1: I'm doing very well, guys. It's good to be good to be on as a as a stunt Baz. Is that is that what I am? Is that my role? This...
0: I think that's that's your official title. Yeah, I'll have to check the paperwork. I think <laughs> that's what we sent you in the contract. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a body double kind of thing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not been doing much running recently. We aren't not to be a du- body double. But we'll...
1: lockdown's taken it's telling all of us, hasn't it? Let's not it let like, us let us not judge anyone. Not...
0: And I, I should be the first one to cast stones on that regard, anyway. So let's move swiftly on. And instead of talking about our own aesthetics, let's talk about those of role-playing games. So we thought we might put together a, a kind of top 10, or a current top 10, because when you try and get to pick anything that's your favourites, it always moves and shifts with the times, and as you remember things. But our top 10 sort of aesthetically pleasing RPGs. Is that the right way to describe it, do you think? I think, yeah. We, we, we started off talking about
1: saying, uh, let's talk about sexy games, but then that can be easily misinterpreted, can it? So sexy games, but not like that. Not um, yeah, yeah, the way you think. Aesthetically, <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. Um, that'll do really well for Google searches and stuff, though, won't it? On the blog, but
0: um, I'll put it in the tags for team, <laughs> it. Might get a lot more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Who'll
1: be inevitably disappointed when they hear us. Um,
0: yeah. it's still better than Fifty Shades of Grey, though. So you
1: know. So um, I think I think we we talked briefly about kind of it. So all of these all of these are in print ish. So if they're not, you might struggle to get them in print, but they'll be available in PDF. We're not talking about games from like a million years ago. They're not really in order. This is like an attempt at a top five. Um, we've, sorry, top ten. We've got kind of five each. And I think it's fair to say with some of mine there, some of mine are games. Kind of almost the whole game line you could talk about. So, Yeah, for sure. It's like a whole whole series of, of stuff with that. So yeah, should we should we kick off? Do you want to give, what's your first one?
0: Uh, yeah, on that basis, talking about whole game lines, and this might segue into one of your two your choices based on what the games we have been playing recently and, and what I know of your your sort of predilections, uh, Tales from the Leap from Free League, which is uh, an easy choice because it's based on the work of Simon Stallenhag. i probably pronounced that surname incorrectly. Apologies to Simon. He must be an avid listener, as everyone is. But it's... it's Beautiful art. Oh, absolutely stunning. It's been made into an Amazon TV series recently with the same sort of like sweeping Swedish nineteen eighties kind of vision of like a rural town that's not quite America and's got this kind of pseudo retro sci fi or retro futuristic sci fi I think they call yeah, it.
1: Yeah, it matches it matches the game really well actually, the T V series, and it's it's it really like I read a review of it that said that you could take you could take each shot from the T V series and like frame it, put it on your wall. It's really well put together.
0: Yeah, yeah, very very much so. Uh, It's a compelling setting, and it's also the graphic design of the book, which I really like. So, there's a lot of bold and kind of orange and yellowish colours in bold bars. Uh, A lot of the fonts uh, look like they would be on the side of a factory wall or something almost, but in a good way, in kind of like they're a clear, clean font that gives you the information correctly. Block capitals that don't look shouty, they just look like here's the clear. Chapter heading and that kind of stuff. Use of colours in terms of some column or chapter or paragraph starts might be in orange, for example, and the rest is in black and white, which gives you a good clear delineation. Yeah, you know, tons of the arcs in the book. Uh, just the, the way it's laid out in case kind of double spreads. Chapter heading is really big with a bold sidebar, the Rinks energy symbol everywhere, which is kind of like the, the company that supposedly runs the loop, which is part of the game. There's just a lot of it almost looks like it could be corporate branded or something.
1: Yeah, it's it fits together.
0: It Doesn't feel offensive or offensive. It fits
1: know. together, doesn't it? And would you say that maybe the whole... because they've, they've done some other they've done that like starter set and stuff, and it's all pretty much similar similar standard?
0: Would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think if I remember right, the robots books more kind of is um, more kind of recycled papery rather than the sort of full color, but it's still you know anything that freely does well produced so I th- I mean arguably we could have done a top 10 that was all three <laughs> league games so, <laughs> we'll see how that shakes out I've tried to pick some others as well but in the spirit of your you could pick the whole game line definitely this sort of thing I guess other pointers are stuff like the sidebars look like they're little bits of um, corporate branded notepaper yeah, from Rich yeah. Energy good, with the it? sidebar stuff in and stuff which is just a way of visually differentiating it from the rest of the text but also feels flavorful and in context for what the story is that the game's trying to portray i think that's really interesting
1: yeah i think it's i think that while well, the key things of it and this will come up with a lot of the things that we're talking about is that it's kind of 1980s sci-fi horror playing children which isn't always the easiest genre to sell but the art and the design of the book really sell it to you. And flicking through the book, you can think, oh, yeah, I really want to play this now. You get a good idea of what kind of thing you do. Very much like my first choice, um, which, which is going to be uh, the Mouse Guard RPG, um, Luke Crane and David Peterson. So Mouse Guard, you play um, anthropomorphic mice in a sort of medieval-level, Renaissance-level technology. You, you're like normal-sized mice, so you, you, you're striving against... Other animals and nature, and again, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hard sell. But the books are just so beautifully put together. It was a it was a comic, a graphic novel first, and David Peterson, who did the comic, was quite involved in the development of the RPG. Um, and it's just like like the book of it is beautiful, and all the all the pictures show events that you would be doing in the game. Um, just flicking through, you get the idea. Oh no, this would be really cool. Even though it can be a bit of a tough sell to play mice in it, and then a while after they'd done the book, they did a box set, which has got just mm. loads of, loads of sweet stuff in it. Um, it's got little action cards that you pick for it, which, I mean, it feels like action cards, action cards like 10 a penny now, everyone doesn't, um, but they, yeah. they, they were new then. They were a big thing then, believe me. There's like a nice little map of it. They put in some extra rules and in the first edition one, which you might struggle to get hold of now, to be fair, there's little kind of four inch high, little mouse markers of the sort that you would like put on a map to show where your squads are. Literally hmm. no game effect or mechanic <laughs> attached to them at all. But you crack those out at a convention. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that could be mine. I'm re- I've got a red cloak. I'll be that and put them on the map. Um, so just really, really well done. And really the, the way that rules are presented are really, is really clever. Um, and the whole kind of design of it really takes you through it and fits. It feels like you could put it next to The graphic novel, and it would just fit in. It's exactly the same style, same look. It's really sweet.
0: Yeah, and the design of the book's kind of coffee table, isn't it? It's more square than a traditional book, if you know what I mean. So it feels like something you could have on your bookshelf. And I know that, you know, a couple of my mates who've got Mouse Guard have kind of shown it to the the children, in the hopes that one day that'll be the entry into sort of role playing and stuff. That's
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's less cute than you think, though, isn't it? There's, a, there's quite a lot of death. And <laughs> it, it can be brutal. <laughs> you <yeah. and> <laughs> turn the page and it's like, oh, right, oh, that, that guy's died, right, okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So, in a in a similar way to I think Tales from Loop gives you information in a bold and clear fashion, do you think Mouse Guard does the same job? Because the system's a bit more involved the loop which is quite easy so do you think any of that helps or is it just the aesthetic of the book that's pleasing i, th- I
1: think it does but it does it in a different way because it it takes quite a lot of time to explain it um, there's quite a lot of it mm. and there's quite a lot of it takes you through every skill it takes you through everything really kind of slowly and carefully um i think probably it's the evolution of of when luke crane did burning wheel and I think lots of people read that. And even though that tri- that does explain it well, it was a challenge to engage with and know how to play it. So Mouse Guard really does take you through. Everything's got a sample um, kind of conflict, sample example of play. Um, the characters, this is quite a nice thing as well. The pregens that come with it are the characters from the comics. And they're the they're the gens that are used in all the examples through the book. So it, it really kind of fits together well. So you can see that they're doing it. And I don't know, this this matters a little bit to me with like, just the stats that they have as pre-gens are the stats that they use in the examples as well they've actually like (laughs) you're not going to go oh but it's got strength of three in that and yeah they've actually done that kind of that level of doing it all kind of fits together really well and plenty of adventures at the end as well there's lots of like okay you can play this i mean that's not particularly an aesthetic thing but it's nice as the whole product that you it's got enough to play with it
0: yeah it's good to have that stuff that probably takes me on to another example then I'll, I've, I've, we've probably got a few nice dimensions as well haven't we at the end so we might, we might come to them but for the osr type stuff uh, i've gone for hot springs island because it like it's not as beautiful in the same way as those first two things we've mentioned which came from artwork basically so it's it's art that has to be produced for the game yeah uh, but because it, it, it's an old school game or that like define osr how you want to basically But aside from a colour map, most of the internal art is of the style that you used to get in the old fighting fantasy books and that kind of thing. So a lot of black and white line art. You know The maps have got uh, the hashing around the sides of them and that kind of stuff. So if you're playing in a game which is an old school hex crawl, then it feels, you know, the book feels like that when you open it and flick through it to me. I think that's quite important. That's
1: sweet, isn't it? A nice little callback to
0: games that you used to play. Yeah, yeah, the olden days. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Back <laughs> when we were kids, but I think that that takes you there into the right sort of mindset. And again, for clarity, things like the the different hexes have a big, like a big square black block with the the hex number, and um, if there's a particular name for it as well, that goes in there as well, which clearly del- delineates all the text. Without, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it gets in the way or spoils yeah, the. Aesthetic. it's easy to read. Like you know, yeah. it is. Like when you're flicking through, and you're looking for hs 82 yeah. That would be quite difficult to read if it was normal text size and in line and the same color as everything yeah. else. But because this is a big fat block, it's easy to see, which is cool. And the other, the other interesting thing they do is have like little grids. I guess you call it. It's a grid of seven hexagons of the local area. Yeah, yeah. So it breaks it down like by the chapter. So you've got the descriptions of the things as well as a little mini map. Oh, that's sweet, that's good. So you know what you're doing. Now. The numbering system they've got on some of the maps, for example, the Diaboard Den, or the Glavrock Village, or whatever it might be, looks very similar to the numbers in Tales from the Loop, in that they're kind of big and bold of a certain font, right. which is cool. So it's really, you know, sometimes in, in in maps and RPGs, the numbers can get lost, or you know, there's a barracks somewhere you just can't find number seven because yeah, 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 you kind of like squint yeah, at in game. game where, to it out, to work it. Oh, where is it? No, I can't see it. Can't see it. <laughs> as you're trying to run it, so. The downside to that, I think, and this is something that a lot of games suffer from, and I'd like them to improve their aesthetics on these to have player facing maps as well. Because you can get lots of good maps, but if you can't show me players because of all the numbers written all over them, or descriptions of what things are, or things like we recently played some Wuff and it literally had footprints from the monster to the cave it was hiding in on the map that you, you show the players, and it's like, uh, what, what's that?
1: Um, uh, I've got a number <laughs> on it. Can't be important. <laughs> just ignore that. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Why is there just one cave out this mountain range and a, a series of footsteps leading up to it? So I had to Photoshop it so I could show it to the players. But um, that's one thing I would like designers to take yeah. note of if you could. If you could provide us maps, equal maps but without the numbers on or things you can show to your players. Cause otherwise you end up with a lot of really cool maps, but you don't get to show your players them. Yeah. yeah. Or you take the choice to have lots of numbers everywhere and let them go to number seven yeah. and number I think, three. Which sounds less
1: I think Warhammer did do that with one of their um one of the adventures in that series. So one of their um Ubers Reich adventures, the the map has got like a massive spoiler. That's like the whole point of the adventure on it like um <laughs> yeah. which i won't go into any more detail. and they did they did release a version of it without without that on and without the numbers but yeah it's tricky isn't it i'll i will sometimes it's i'll sometimes because i'm a bit lazy and i can't be bothered to use photoshop i'll just i'll just put it out with the numbers on and that that does help the yeah. thing of finding where number seven is that's the barracks because the players can have, they go, all right we'll go to room six <laughs> like, all right, okay <laughs> but yeah it does have that yeah, they, they yeah. find secret doors quite easily if you do that
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it depends on well, there's, the Yeah, there's
1: no number five on here. There must be somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right.
0: <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> there's definitely a secret yeah, room yeah. here somewhere. Yeah, I think it's one of the. Is it Ashby Peak? It's one of the D D ones, and the like the the dwarven place you got. First of all, has got like a bunch of secret doors and even the player map you've got has got all the secret doors <laughs> on and all the tunnels and everything it's like there's literally no point i might as well just use the GM one yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't
1: i think secret doors might be something to talk about in a future episode because i think that's that's
0: it's yeah there's a good hour's worth of With secret about. doors that we're we'll going
1: to <laughs> like. um
0: but maybe on that note, anyway, we should move on and this is this is yeah. this is uh well just before we move on sorry i'll, I'll just uh i'll just put in because a good thing about OSR games quite often is, and this is an example, like the Glavrock Village, for example, I mentioned, it's got a map with these big fat numbers on so you can see where things are, but it's also got the description of all those things, including what monster might be there and what things are to find, all on that same double spread, and it's got like a 3d6 roll of what's happening, of random things that could be going along, and encounters and motivations and stuff like that. So part of the aesthetic, apart from looking quite nice, it's the use at the table. So there's quite a lot of RPG products that make you flick about, but a good thing about um, this sort of game, not just Springs Island, but a lot of them, is that it gives everything you need on a double page spread. You can just put out in front of you, and while it looks quite artistically nice, it's also got yeah, the use of the yeah. table, which is well, really well
1: organized, if you like. Yeah, that's good. That's mm. good. Uh, well, it, that, it does link quite well to my second. One. Actually, we've already started talking about this because my second one is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Fourth Edition, and I think I was thinking of games that when they first were released, which isn't not a few years ago, isn't it? But fairly recently, were just stunning and blew us away. And I think, I think with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, I think if you're, if you're within a certain age range and grew up in the UK as a gamer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 1st Edition was a big deal. And it was probably one of the first games, certainly the first game that I bought with my own kind of pocket money. And it's got a, yeah. hu- a huge part in the kind of UK role-playing psyche. And what they did with 4th Edition was just a really nice like homage to that. So the cover is the same scene as in first edition, repainted by Ralph Horsley, I think it is. Um every page yeah. is it's quite it's quite detailed with and, and quite I suppose is it filigree? This is this is gonna reveal how much we know about like um art terms, but <laughs> it's quite complicated <laughs> each page. But it's easy to read and it does it. Um it has things like it's got really detailed pictures of like grim and muddy peasants that really kind of reinforces the the low fantasy vibe of it each career and there are like yeah. hundreds of them because it's warhammer has a little um picture of a member of that career on the page with it and they're so characterful they're really really good so like the the the, the, the river master has got like a peg leg and he's like hobbling towards you the servant <laughs> like you might think oh, I've rolled a servant that's a bit that's a bit boring isn't it you go to the servant and the picture of the servant the servant looks like they're about to kill you. Like, they like, just looks so pissed off, <laughs> at being having to serve some like feckless master.
0: He's lot in life. <laughs> the outlaw's like
1: turned his, but you can't see him because he's turned his hood away from you. Um, just really clear. And there's there's little bits on each page where you just look through and say, oh, that's that's really nice. Just a really nice thing. Cubicle Seven have done really well with that. And I think I think it does, uh, barring obviously <laughs> the issue with maps and player facing maps. They've done a really good job with the whole line actually. They all. <laughs> they all look in that kind of consistent style and even when it's like black and white line art it's really complex and it really gets you feel like you're in a really well populated world with lots going on
0: yes i think um intricate is probably the word i use for some of it is... that's the word <laughs> yeah <I use. laughs> um, lots of little details you can study some of the paintings for some time and find little bits and pieces on them and just like somewhere where someone's put their money pouch or some you know something in the background or something that's yeah, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. And, and your idea of, you're talking about Mouse guard with the same example being used throughout an artist in the arts for fancy roleplay, they did that as well. So the the redraw they've done of the characters, like there's a priest with a scythe and there's a little hobbit with a feather in his hat and some other yeah, stuff the, a yeah. troll slayer or whatever. Um, they're used quite frequently in other images so you see him turn up in lots of different bits of art throughout the book as well and so the supplements like the starter set, so it's good to see yeah. the same like signature characters, I guess you call them. Yeah, but seeing and it's a good. A again, it's,
1: it's an example of what you do in the game, isn't it? As well, so mm. it's a picture of uh, a player character group doing player character group stuff, which a lot of the art is then like looking like they should probably run away from whatever it is they're <laughs> facing, <isn't it? laughs> which is accurate for Warhammer, really. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I think one of the artists, main artists, is Sam Manley. Uh, uh, and he's worth seeking out on twitter because uh, he does uh, quite often puts up a, a finished picture and he puts up the, the sort of like the black and white sketch drawing before so if you're interested yeah. in the wolfrop art it's definitely worth checking him and some of the other artists out because they'll do some examples of the development stuff and i think that really speaks to your point about even the black and white line art looks good because even with both of them side by side sometimes i think do you know what i quite like the sketch not necessarily more than the colour, but it's like it's as good. It would do, you know, in the Yeah, yeah it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: and I think that's it's something we want from games as well, isn't it? We want the art to to represent what it is that we're doing. I think some some games have art that doesn't it's, it's generic fantasy, or it might be it doesn't seem to relate to what's on the page. So it's good to find books that have can place art sort of well as well in them, so that the picture it's showing you represents what the text is saying at the same time.
1: Yeah, and it, it fit. They fit together, don't they? So art's not an afterthought. It's like embedded in the whole, in the whole system. The layout and the art all help with with the product there. But no, that's good. And I'd say, I mean, I think it's the whole game line would be that. And the whole like a lot of the game line does feel a little bit like they're really aware of the history of Warhammer. So a lot of the adventures they've put out are old white dwarf adventures that they've updated. It's it's really nice to see that and see how they've like repackaged them and put new art yeah, into it. Yeah. And make yeah. It nice. Yeah, cool. So, what's your um, third? Is that what we're on?
0: Yeah, I think so. On number three. Um, For number three, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go from the black and white number, I think, Mm -hmm. which is Dead of Night, second edition, Uh, again by Andrew Kenrick. So, the first edition came out, and it was it was like a little. That was a squarish one as well, but it was only about I don't know, ten to twelve centimeters on a side. It was like a little pocket. It was almost like tiny,
1: wasn't it? Something you
0: find in a Christmas cracker, almost in the size. It was really really odd but a quite, a quite scary christmas <laughs> yeah <laughs> you found this horror <laughs> album right, should we play this um, like, it's better than getting a nail file or a balloon or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah second edition was more like a, a novel sized frontage anyway if not as deep as a, a novel a great piece of uh, evocative art in the front in full color but the, the interior was all black and white if i've remembered correctly i've not got the book to hand it's in my other room uh, but the good things about it is, well, firstly, Paul Boyne did the art and design, as best I can tell, yeah. which is always a good thing. So he's done stuff like Hot War as well, and some of the stuff for A-State, and that kind of thing. Um, so great talent. And it was thematic again. So Dead of Nights about horror gaming, or horror movies, emulating them, or horror stories, or, or whatever. And quite a lot of the pages that were full-page art weren't just a monster. They were a monster done as a horror movie poster. For a film or a book. Yeah. Like a fake I one. I remember that. So it was yeah. like, and it did the same. I'll sort of segue into sort of Hot War as well. The same with that, that a lot of the stuff was like warning posters from the government or whatever it might be. So yeah. that's another useful way of adding art to your book and making them an artifact you could potentially display in your game as well for the players. Again, it's about being able to bring it out for everyone to see and enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah. But in terms of reading the book, that then feels really thematic. You've just got random, you know, zombies in your book. You've got, a full zombie poster to go with a scenario that comes later on, or the hooks and that kind of yeah. thing. So I think that was yeah. that was a really really interesting approach of trying to get game artifacts to be the art in the book.
1: And I suppose the way like Dead of Night structured, because it's really kind of easy to set, set up and play. You could almost like one of those film posters could be the one shot. That's your it? scenario, like, yeah, right there. Yeah, stick that up on the convention notice board with like. <laughs> Post-it note to sign up there, yeah. and then just write. That's there's probably enough on there to like busk a scenario from there.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and it was one of the first sort of I don't want to call it indie game per se because I know people get upset about trying indie when you try and play labels to stuff. But small press, in. yeah, small <laughs> press game that had some really good graphic design that went with it as well. I think that's the point. I know we're in a space now where basically anyone who's got access to words can create their own role playing game and put it on Drive Three. But it was really nice to see something small press that had uh, really good quality artist, graphic design, like the whole package looked look professionally done. Uh, and it was, you know, especially given that the the first edition wasn't necessarily, you know, done in that way. It was good to see a second yeah. edition, like not just the rules revamped and more writing added Completely, and all this kind yeah. of stuff, but, you know, the whole package was redesigned, which I think really helped the game.
1: Yeah, that's good. I th- I think there's a real thing about, I mean, there's, and and in this list, there's some games like so Warhammer's obviously big art budget, um, lots of artists that want to work in it. Cubicle Seven have really invested in producing that. But it's nice that there are there's also there's also little small press games that can still do a really good job at that level of of, of what they're doing. And it's it's not just about oh you'll never look as good as uh, I don't know Wizards of the Coast, which. I'd, May not even appear on our list. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. Maybe it will. Keep keep tuning in and see if it does make it or not. Um, which I think brings on to my third, actually, which is again a small press game. I've gone with Troika, right. or Troika exclamation mark but uh, the Numinous Edition yeah. by Daniel Sell, which is available from I think Melsonian Arts Council. Yeah, are the um, are the publisher, um, and it is. It's a small hardback book. Um it's so Troika is I think it's like OSR adjacent in that it's got some OSR sensibilities, but it doesn't use the same system as the OSR at all. Um it's closest really to like the fighting fantasy system. Yeah. yeah. Um but the setting is kind of surreal science fantasy. So you're world hopping, adventurers, and you've got lots of kind of so some of the some of the professions that you roll at the start, it's a bit like Warhammer in that you have lots of different professions that you'll play, but there's things like you could play a thinking engine or you could play a sceptical lamassu. Um, they're all really weird. Um, and the art, first of all, is really clever. Every picture's, um, I think, is it, well, it's two-colour. Is that what it's called? So it's, there's two colours on it and the colour of the paper, if you yeah. see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Line art. And they're all really surreal and stylized. Literally every illustration in the book is sort of a bit weird and a bit wonky the 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 professions are kind of as if they're like tarot cards with that profession on and even the scenes of action in it it's like the opposite of what i've been talking about before where it shows you some Hmm. adventurers doing stuff it's almost a whole book where it doesn't actually illustrate anything everything's stylized everything's a bit weird and it but it just captures the the whole aesthetic really well and the layout and the design and the printing is really nice as well. It's got color-coded chapters, so like the Monsters chapter is all on purple paper, or that's that's from memory. It might be a different color, but um, and, and it's really kind of straightforward to, to use and stuff. Nice quality paper. Um, it looks, it does have that thing of you look through it and think, oh, this is weird. It, it looks and feels as weird as, as, <laughs> as it is, and it just makes you think, oh, what can I do, and like the starter adventure has got a really weird like M C Escher map which fits with like what the adventure is um but yeah. yeah just a really close really nice tight aesthetic that isn't here's what you do it's like what are the possibilities and, and what could you possibly get from this that that is almost about you answer as many questions in ask as many questions in looking at the art as are answered by it if that makes sense
0: yeah, and in a way, I think quite a lot of the little um, the pieces look almost look like an alternative um, tarot or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, in that they've got a similar feel to them, but can have wildly different things on there. And then you can sometimes spot things like blades that appear on several, which could almost be a suit of tarot or something. It's got. Yeah. a... It feels like an alien tarot deck that someone's handed you, and you're like, well, what does this mean? And you kind of want to lay the cards out and have a bit of a look and try and yeah, like yeah. It's, determine it's, some future out of them or something. It's intriguing,
1: I think, as a game. And it is yes. a book that if you handed it to somebody, whether they're games or not, and they looked at it, they'd be like, what is this? It's You <laughs> want to kind of see what's on it. It's like, wow, what's that? I've got no idea. And that's probably what people who aren't into games think when they read any RPG, to be fair. But even more so when they look at when they look at Troika.
0: Absolutely. And you can get to play a monkey monger. And I don't know why anyone would not want to play a game where <laughs> <laughs> you can be that. Yeah. <laughs> With necromancer on the opposite page. So if any of your monkeys died, then you can bring them back. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's definitely that's a game where uh if you have imagination or just want like things to start little seeds to start your imagination going off. It's yeah. definitely there for that, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. So what's your next, Gaz? I think i'm going to steer us back back to to more mainstream stuff uh but not not like completely there yeah i think uh, feng shui 2 oh yeah so again um a second edition because we're going for as you said more recent printings if we can to make it more accessible for people if they want to go and search some of these games out even the first uh feng shui the and again it could be feng shui or it depends which chinese dialect you want to use so i'm not going to I'm just gonna say Feng Shui is a, <laughs> yeah, a catch all yeah. term and you don't need to write it and tell me I'm wrong because yeah, it's, it's not a game am, and it's, it's not it's not a game where that written... authenticity is, is needed, yeah, is it really? It's yeah, it's written as Hong Kong movies as consumed in the West, so you know, I can be forgiven for being a little bit lazy on trying to work out the correct yeah. pronunciation for it. But even the first edition, like the, the deadless edition, that was that came from Shadow Fist, the card game. Uh, and had some amazing art in it. I love the colour that was like this Beautiful blue with some guy halfway through um, smacking someone in the face and a jaw half coming off someone in the bottom yeah. corner or something. So it, it already had my imagination, and as it's come out as its new edition uh, from Atlas, I think it is it absolutely filled, packed with beautiful colour art, which is great. First of all, like there's just tons of it, which which pleases me. Uh, the borders of the book kind of have a like a green textile effect or picture. Um, yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Which, you know, it narrows the amount of words you get on a page, but it looks cool, so that's fine. Uh, and there's call out boxes and headlines again, with a bold red bar with white lettering on to make them really stand out. So, again, it's about finding that information quickly when you need to. And then you come to stuff like the archetypes, which are essentially your, um, your character sheets. Yeah. And this is stuff that you can use straight away at your convention games or whatever, because one half of the page or one side of the spread is. Uh, like the, the background and a picture and some awesome stuff that's coming up. It says, you know, this is your highlights of your sticks and what you are. Yeah. And the other side gives you a really colourful again, like here's your stats with some stuff on. And things like feet trees, I guess you'd call them, or a bunches of the talents, they're arranged by colour code as well so you know which ones go together yeah, and that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, and it's got little tick boxes so you wound boxes wound points sorry or like little circles you can tick off as you take damage that kind of thing so if you wanted to print these off and put them through um one well, of those acetate machines or whatever so you can make them use rem- usable markers on them and that kind of stuff yeah like.
1: and that's that's exactly what i've done at con games and it, i think it's 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 again it's one thing that really really helps if you run games at cons it's it's rarer than you'd think for the pregens to actually be playable as in you could just print them out and hand them out Um, without having, like, a reference sheet for what these feats or talents mean, but yeah, the Feng Shui ones, I've done it before, you just I've got a pack laminated upstairs that you can just throw out and say, right, this is it there's a a really good balance of enough stuff to roleplay it, enough background, if you like, although it's not a game with a massive background required to play it <laughs> really. um, if you're just a uh shadowy ninja that's that's your background isn't it um but <laughs> yeah. there's everything you need to do it on there isn't it there's not like uh you don't need to look at the rules at all if you replay you can just look at that sheet
0: no exactly and, and there's a bunch of different ones and, and I, I'm, I'm aware that what i am tend to be doing is saying what's wrong with other games rather than talking <laughs> about these ones but um the reason these are good in some cases is because they don't do the don't have the mistakes of other games. Yeah. So there are other games, for example, with archetypes in, but don't give you a fully rounded character. And that, having seen Feng Shui, you immediately think, "What? Well, I hadn't really noticed before." But why not? If you're going to give me an archetype, you might as well give me a fully playable character, and then I can use that straight away in a game. You couldn't do that with Shadowrun, could you? You couldn't just print out the
1: the yeah. archetype and give it to someone. You You wouldn't do it. Very different game to Shadowrun, I suppose. Feng Shui too,
0: but it is. But, uh, yeah, it's got me thinking about I have to run it at some point again, even though the, the system's a little bit trickier than you first think because of all the options. But um, it just looks so cool. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't play it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Straight away. After this podcast, go get, go straight <laughs> let's away. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get meat. meat keep meat running, and we'll, we'll carry on. <laughs> okay. Um, my next one might be controversial. Because its layout and graphic design choices have been the source of some controversy, um, certainly among oh, that good. some of my friends. Um, and it is Modifius Star Trek Adventures. Um,
0: mm. Interesting. That
1: sounded like a controversial hm there. Um, which yeah. is.
0: Um, so well, I'll not preempt what you're going to say. I'll let you like, build it up first. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: um, um, so, Star Trek Adventures is, as you would expect, uh, the l- latest licensed Star Trek um rpg and it's got rules for all the various series of it and the layout and graphic design of the book are it it looks like a next generation computer console it looks very very much like you are in the star trek universe and the controversial thing about this that some of my um some of my gaming buddies have said is, is an issue is that that does mean that it's white text on black paper um which isn't always the easiest um, to read and pass at a table. I think they have done. They do. They do have PDFs of them that are black and white, but I'm a bit like I can sacrifice that legibility um, just like turn a light on because then you can see it. You can you can read it okay. <laughs> and it just as a whole book, it looks really good. I think it's also it's really I, I really like that they haven't. All the art is is not any characters from the the, the films or the or the TV series. I think the first yeah. edition, um, Fastest Star Trek had lots of like stills from the, the original series it was then that were just printed in. There's nothing, you, you won't find a picture of Kirk or Spock or anything in any of the books um, apart from where they have a pre-gen thing of them. And that really reinforces the thing about this is a game to play in the Star Trek universe but with your own characters and make your own yes. stories in it. You're not, it's not got that canon thing of you're going to be following around the uss enterprise in their shadow all the time <laughs> I, I would obviously if, if running if i was to run it i would be very wary of that canon thing and that one player at the table who will seek to correct everything that that is doesn't fit exactly in it um but it just as an evocative book um and and line really because a lot of the stuff they brought out has just fitted well with that as well it, it really fits
0: so i have a, a variety of thoughts <laughs> <laughs> which I'll lay out and see if I can bring true to you or you've got other things to say but um, I mean firstly I'd rather it was original series so that's just a preference thing for me because I'm old like <laughs> next generation could not go in the bin, Star Trek should have finished with Kirk, anyway <laughs> that out of the way <laughs> which will started an internet war of all its own <laughs> Yeah,
1: it wasn't controversial enough <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so I assume anyone still listens to the podcast after that statement it does. It does reflect, as you say, very much TNG. So that that's good. Aside from, I think quite a lot of the covers that I've seen, or, or certainly the splash art, the part of his advertisement, tends to have people firing phasers at things and explosions and stuff yeah. like that, which doesn't feel very TNG to me. And it's almost like they try to turn it into Star Wars or something, or a, you know, another sci-fi adventure game, which doesn't feel like the series did. Given that the game. Certainly, from the original books, it's supposed to be just about that series and not the other series necessarily. So I think that's an odd choice because, arguably, then you sort of like setting up an expectation about what the game's about, and quite a lot of the rules are about starship combat or shooting things. When I'm not sure that's what the game should be about. I mean, people can make the game about whatever they want, but it's interesting that the art depicts a certain style of play, shall I say, given the source material.
1: Yeah, I think what they've done with the adventures that they've brought out is they are very kind of low combat and problem solving, and there is you're right, there there are systems in in Star Trek in in the game that work well for like non combat skill challenges as extended tasks. Um, but yeah, the art is quite a lot of phaser battle. Um, I should say it does. The rules do cover all the eras, so you can play in like right. Enterprise, original series, next gen, or. Um, the others, I can't. Yeah, that more people are writing now. Like, oh, this there is. Is. What do we know about <laughs> whatever else? The ones, the ones, the ones I've I've forgotten that clearly mean a lot to me. Um, but yeah, the, and this, the, and yeah, in the line, like, th- there are like miniatures and stuff that they've brought out as well, which is a bit like I don't know, I don't know any like Star Trek, genre thing where you'd want to, put out the like security cards and cling on miniatures and like duke it out yeah. on a on a grid or something. But I mean, each to their own. Maybe they're just meant to. You just meant to paint them and. Sit them up and you maybe they're like the mouse guard things that you can just put them on, yeah, put them on the table and people like them. Um, from there,
0: on, on the flip side, what I probably say about the black on white and versus white and black, etc., is uh, more recently that's probably less of an issue. I think when it came out as a physical book, there was a lot of frowny face about it, and I yeah. think Modifius had said, Well, you could use it, you know, you can use it on your tablet and stuff like that, and it looks cool. So, there was a bit of um, a disparity between people who wanted hard copy and people who looked at it digitally. Which made more sense. Uh, I think it's possibly been helped recently with the lockdown and lots of people playing online. That yeah. you know, seems to fit, uh, and the way it's presented helps the game quite a lot, as opposed to being sat around a table. So maybe it's just it's come of its time now. Thankfully, due to the Rona, who knows? Yeah, yeah,
1: maybe every client. <laughs> maybe that's helped. Yeah, cool. Okay, what's your um? Is this is your final your final official one? I know we've both got some like, both Brucey bonuses, yeah. but yeah, what's your what's
0: your fifth? so my final main choice is legend of the five rings Uh, and again this will be the ffg edition although if you pick up the very first edition i really like that book as well it had a good mix of art in it mainly black and white again based on a card game initially i think the card game came out first Uh, but that had really cool stuff in it and all the same style but it just seems to have developed edition by edition Uh, and now the new one again like full color and absolutely beautiful if, if there's one thing ffg do well it's like getting loads of artwork they, and pack it in there it's they all like do, really good quality yeah i
1: nearly put star wars in here but then i thought i'd go I'd, i couldn't have that and star trek because they're... yeah <laughs> <Like> you get <laughs> confusing yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah
0: so it's, it's a good mix of um like i mean i would potentially look at a white wolf game to put in my list arguably but they seem to have a mix of fonts and styles of art and stuff like that. that doesn't, it gets, it becomes incongruous to me. It doesn't feel like it fits together. Whereas uh, Legend of the Five Rings has some almost photorealistic art, which looks amazing. And then some uh, like uh, emulations of period art, like the maps, yeah, look, like, does, the ink and watercolours and stuff, which look just, you immediately get that kind of feudal Japan sort of feel out, or you know, some of the, the dragons of the different elements in a style of old japanese art it's, and that kind of stuff it
1: fits you into the game doesn't it you you look at the art and you think oh yeah this is what it's like it really kind of centers you in in a fairly unusual it's it's a very different game to like traditional fantasy isn't it In how it not just yes. not just in the setting but in how it plays
0: yeah see so immediately looking at it I think this is just another fantasy game you know because of the way everything's styled uh, again it uses the stuff like there's a nice uh, back bleed on the page so it looks like it's paper it, yeah. Even though it is paper, you I know, mean, it looks like it's more of a, <laughs> yeah. a textured paper, let's put it that way. Uh, things like sidebars are in different coloured inks, so they're easy to see. It uses little mons of little like uh, peony blossoms or lotus blossoms yeah, or something yeah. as like, the, the bullet points, that sort of attention to detail. It's got funny dice in it, the game, but to be fair to so it, in the descriptions, it actually has pictures of the dice to show you the symbols that it's talking about. Yeah. So you can see what you're rolling, that kind of stuff. Yeah it's kind of the way the art is placed sometimes as well rather than being boxed it's quite often like a bottom corner and swept across in a kind of ski slot fashion or in just like different unusual positions sometimes which makes the art a bit more interesting and bleeds over the page like there's one of a shigenja who's um summoning up some water from i think a river or a lake or something you can see the carp caught in the wave that's being pulled up but the blue of the river comes from the bottom of the page with a text overlaid to it as well, and it just... Oh, that's nice, yeah. An aesthetically pleasing piece of stuff where you can stop reading the book for a minute to look at it and go, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then go back to reading the page, which breaks up the monotony of reading through hundreds of pages of text, arguably.
1: Yeah, and it's got, it's, got, it's got, I think, I mean, I'm a big fan as well, it's got some really nice structural things as well. So in a lot of the source books, it's got little sidebars that are adventure kind of... Not, not just adventure hooks, because I think a hook is often just a starting point, but it's like, right, this is the progression of how an adventure could go set in this place. It's just really nice when you're reading the source book and you read about some haunted forest or whatever, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, right, what, what would happen here? What could I get my players to do here? And then there's a little example of a little quest that they could do in there, which is really sweet. I like as well, the, the adventures, if you get those in print, they come with, they each come with a map, not as a kind of miniatures map, as like, this is a map of the city, and they come with Little card counters for lots of right. characters and stuff, which is just yeah. again, it's not for tactical combat, but it's just nice to have. Right, you're in the tea room, you're in the, you know, you're still in the hostel, and, like and just some best stuff, yeah. Yeah, it gives you some stuff that you can kind of play around with. Without it's, they're really nicely put together books, aren't they? It's yes, the whole and you thing. Get,
0: if you get all the starter set, that's got a similar thing. You've got the punch out tokens. You've got uh, like four page folded character portfolios for, for yeah. like starting characters you can hand out which is cool with rules on and stuff uh, like little bits and pieces of extras I don't know I think me and Baz have mentioned previously on the podcast we, we do like a box set of some sort even if it's a starter set or something just I mean extra bobbins that you can you know tactile stuff that yeah. you can throw around and show people and Give to players to deal with and that kind of stuff. It just feels nice.
1: The starter set does the same and the Star Wars FFG starter sets do this as well with the characters. So it's like a four-page booklet, isn't it? And the first two pages are your starting character and it like explains everything. So even more so than Feng Shui, it really teaches you how to play it. And then if you turn the page, I think it's the same in all of them, it says, right, now you've levelled up and it takes you through like pick these things to advance your character and there's another character sheet of your like I think in the start set, you start off as not quite yet samurai and you have to face yeah. this trial and then halfway through you turn over Preach the page, yeah. it's just a really nice way of doing it and and teaching that bit that often you forget. And certainly in one shots, you don't get that. Teachers like that character advancement. I can see how you could play through the start set with a, a, gr- a new group who are new to role playing and that, that bit where oh, suddenly your character gets better. You get to pick one of these like tree type mm-hmm. things. They'll be like, wow, this is amazing. Well, and if we can keep playing, I can get more of this. Like I get better. it be yeah. It, it really kind of fucks them in. It's a really nice touch that.
0: Yeah, I think probably the only slight downside for them, perhaps for for doing your own stuff, is like the um the stat blocks have a nice little ring because it's five rings. So you have yeah. the five rings with the little mons on and the numbers inside them and stuff, which looks cool. Uh, I I just don't know how you write all that stat block out. Yourself, if you <laughs> know what I mean, like when you write your own yeah. adventures, it'd be quite convoluted. Um, I mean, it's doable, it's, it just feels like it's a game written for playing published stuff. It feels yeah, like, yeah, because like, everything's so beautiful and nice, I'd almost feel bad running my own things and not having the same assets to be able to deliver in a way, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> but yeah. That's you know, that's nitpicking, <laughs> <laughs> it's too so, good yeah. to put you <laughs> yeah. off,
1: yeah, no. Well, my final one is um, we mentioned Talisman Luke before, uh, and it's another um, free league and game. It's Vason, which has um, actually saying you can get all of these in print. Um, you may not be able to yet when this by the time this lands, because the Kickstarter has just been delivered to people. So it, it came through the post for a lot of us like last week. So Vason is a uh, game of Nordic folk horror in 19th-century um, Sweden. Um, you kind of investigate. Vaisen, which like folkloric monsters, so trolls and ghosts and so on. Um, And it's an unusual setting, but the aesthetic that they've done for the book really, really fits it. It's very different looking to Tales from the Loop, obviously, because it's a very different setting, but the same kind of consistency and layout. The art is really consistent all the way through. It's kind of, um, it's not photorealistic at all. It's like a children's illustration. It's children's book illustration sorry not not drawn by a child like not <laughs> not as if you were child. illustrating <laughs> a quite um a kind of Grimm's fairy tales kind of thing a quite scary children's book about trolls
0: eating you <laughs> like, yeah so so the game sort of like set in the 1800s if i remember rightly uh, of some yeah. sort of in sweden and the the art does it reminds me of perhaps what 1800s children's books would look like in terms of the art level i think that's sort of what you're saying but... yeah
1: completely it fits in with that. And I mean the the cover's textured as well. That it's oh, it just it's lovely, a nice feel. And I've not even I don't think they've they've sent out the limited edition. I've just got the standard book. And when the limited edition lands, yeah. I'm just gonna have to avoid ever looking at it for fear of being too <laughs> for fear of buying it. Yeah, too I mean
0: I might have to buy another one because I'm wearing out the front cover of mine. But I keep stroking it and <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah, or wear, wear like gloves or something so the acid of my fingers doesn't degrade <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, put it under a like tissue paper
1: from there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's and the, like the pack of it that they've got a map with it in the GM screen that's that's really nice, kind of quite detailed map of um, of of Sweden in in that time, and another one of Uppsala where you're based. And it's just like with Tales and Loop. Like we say, the layout is really consistent. It's really easy to find things in it. Anytime there's like a table or an important p- piece of information, it's pulled out in a little box. Um, yeah. But without having lots and lots of colors in the text, it's, it, it, it does the thing as well that you talked about in Legend of the Five Rings, where often the art will, will fold in. Some of it to the text, so it'll it'll come out, and you'll have a description of the troll, and then a picture of a troll next to it. Um, but yeah, just really, it, it really really inspires you to to play it. I mean, we've we've got an episode of it coming up on the Smart Party YouTube channel.
0: Good you plug like I like thought I'd do that
1: product placement. Um, and and I ran that, and that was a few weeks ago. We recorded it, and when when the book came in the post, I was immediately like, "Oh, I've got to run this again." Just from like flicking through and doing it, you're full of those kind that kind of inspiration of oh wow this looks good and the fact the vase and they're each given their own little double page spread and the kind of your adventure in there your module would be you go and investigate one of these it's really easy to just flick through and go right okay we'll pick right you're gonna let's let's do a one shot where you've got a troll or a giant or a ghost or whatever and fit on that really nicely done
0: yeah definitely Um, I like I mean the good stuff as well about a lot of the free lugs products is that when you buy the bundles you buy in when the kick's turn them. you kind of do get like an extra book of adventures seems to somehow yeah, always make you yeah. to the stretch goals and you get a gem screen you get a map and you get some cards and you get some dice like even the dice are cool like they've uh, really the, got dots the, the, on them sometimes with a little circle around and stuff but they look like old dice from 1800s yeah. or something somehow i don't know they feel the
1: dice are, are really good they pass my uh special d6 dice test which is that the six has got like a symbol on it but the symbol is recognizably a six Yes. which just avoids yes, the bugbear of rolling a load of dice and oh, some symbols, let's just check if it's a 1 or a 6 but it's clear <laughs> on this one, you can do this you don't have to mix it in with your Pendragon and your uh, other like Monster of the Week dice or Darker Trails dice, it, it all fits together and you can read them they're really legible from that
0: yeah do you know I went through that exactly thing in my head I looked at them and went hang on a minute is that a weird symbol on the six and they went oh no the six things it's a six <laughs> yeah, it's fine it
1: does look like a six
0: yeah <laughs> and there's palpable relief yeah. I thought oh good, I'm allowed to use these dice now <laughs> yeah. I was going to have to cast them into the dungeon <laughs> yeah. weird symbol you're dice, allowed to use but... them if
1: I'm in a, I'm in a game at a con you're allowed to use your base and dice they pass yeah it did please <laughs> me
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good diverse hot 10 we've got there yeah I'd I'd probably mention uh, a couple of those, one while we're talking Free League stuff, like the Alien book that's come out, and again, that came with GM screen and special dice and all kinds of stuff. It's a good coffee table book, and it looks nice. My my sort of criticism with it is it's hard to read. It's like there's some pages that are mainly black with some pictures on, and a paragraph, you know, maybe a hundred words or something. And then you're onto another page and it's just as as like i'm glad i've got the book it's good to have on my shelf etc but in terms of consuming the game it's quite difficult in the way it's laid out and stuff so while it's still up to the high production values i always expect from free league and cheers guys keep up the good work i just feel it doesn't do the same job that tales from the loop or or investment does for example in delivering the information as well
1: yeah i think i think it's a little bit bleak isn't it? i mean i think i think there's worth spelling it out that there's backing at print level for free league and stuff if you're somewhere where you can get reasonable shipping from it like the uk is an absolute steal isn't it it's it's this is like the bargain of the year that i've got in terms of what you get (laughs) for a free league and kickstarter you get a big pack of stuff that would be like cost you at least twice as much as your backing would be if you were to go out and buy it in a game store
0: yeah for sure i mean i've backed um the latest deadlands kickstarter you know it looks quite nice but the you know the shipping alone was probably more than all yeah. the best and stuff yeah. there because just because the way international shipping is so like there's a definite um, there's a different thing there. I guess the other thing I bought I don't think it, it was not from Free League particularly. I think they publish it and distribute it. But um, Borg is another one I've yeah. got on the list, which is another art punk game. I guess you could call it. There's been a few of these sort of things. It, it almost has colours similar to never mind the the Ballocks from the Sex Pistols yeah. almost. Yeah with like yellow with pink splashes across and a lot of black and stuff it's a doom metal game it's osr it's just dripping with the end of the world basically and doom and death and black metal and things like that so it's it it fulfills that criteria there's not actually that many words in it you can get through it in an afternoon quite easily it's just got the reason it doesn't make a list compared to something like hot springs for example is that usability element again where Um, You can roll a D10 to see which weapon you've got. I think it is in character generation, which is quite quick and easy, but a double page spread, it only has like one to eight, like ones (laughs) on one page and then two to eight is on another page and they have to turn over for nine and 10. And it's like, I get that you were doing this stylistic thing (laughs) with it, but if you can't fit the numbers one to 10 on three, you have have to use three pages. That's too much. So I think possibly for me, although I quite like the product and I'm glad I've got it again, it's probably too much style over substance. Other people may disagree if but it feels like there was if anything too much of the art and layout and uh, they've got something like 70 different fonts on it and all this kind yeah. of stuff so it's a cool artifact to have but i think it detracts from the game playability which is always something i've got in the back of my mind
1: yeah i know i i like browse the pdf and it did make me think oh this would be really cool to play which to, to make me consider playing like an osr system is is is, is really good it's an that's, that's an yeah. achievement maybe momentarily <laughs> forget um, what I thought of, of OSR systems, and I'm like, oh no, I could play this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a couple of a couple of kind of honorable mentions that nearly made the, nearly made it. Um, one of them is for just the Cthulhu hack line that Paul Baldowski um, has done. There's that that there's not loads of art in them, but the layout is is really clever and good. And particularly if you look at Mother's Love, which is a little hardback book of three adventures. Yeah. Again, there's not a huge amount of art in it, but what there is is really flavoursome and really evocative and the way it's laid out like we one of the themes we've talked about a lot it's really easy to read so in the text npc names or important places are all in bold there's little boxes with key information out i'm i know if i'm running a published um, adventure i usually i need to sit and like make bullet point lists and things because you can't refer to the text as easily with this you could just like have it open in front of you and go through because everything's really clear it's been written to be run really mm and yeah that's, yeah, yeah that's my first one my second one is I, I felt I couldn't put it in the list because I, I, I did some writing for it I, I didn't do any of the art at all kind of any credit for that it was, was liminal Paul Mitchell's um, yes. UK urban fantasy um, game which I think would have made the list had I not done some stuff on it but again it's just a consistent artist all the way through um, Jason's art meet, manages to make it distinctively UK based and it feels very British in terms of where it is, as distinct yes. from urban fantasy, from you know, World of Darkness, Chicago. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's very grounded in the UK, and it has it has that kind of bleed where there'll be text over art as well. Often quite understated um, in terms of what, what what the illustrations are of, but just just a really really beautiful book.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Jason did. Um, We're we going to do some art for us for the uh, Furnace Convention 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah. you know, like me and me and Mitch wrote um, a couple of scenarios for that, and we uh, threw him a couple of shekels to do some more for that. And that again, it was really cool stuff. You know, it was science fiction, but it was all it looked different. You know, yeah. And I think that's that's something from games that I quite often like when there's, I guess, like Legend of the Five Rings makes it look different than the standard fantasy. It was like that kind of stuff again, where it's it was science fiction art, but made it look different. And as you're saying about uh, Liminal, that it looks distinctly British. It's good when artists can bring that sort of thing out and really, you know, understand what the product is and bring something to the table on it. Completely, yeah. Um, And another thing I wanted to mention, actually, which is, it's from a long time ago. It's probably due another edition by now, actually. I'll have to check with Mr. Stolzey. But um, Rain, which is the one-roll engine game. I think
1: there is a new edition in in Kickstarter. Well, I think it's I think it's been Kickstarted. I think that's where we
0: are. I don't. Yeah, I can't remember if I read something about it being Ransom Model rather than Kickstarter, Uh, which way. I saw him answer the question about which way to do it with his fans, I think. Anyway, regardless, uh, I think it was Daniel Solis at the time who did this. And I can't remember the word for it, but it's when you have like um, calligraphy and the the picture looks like the word, or the word is the picture, for example. So it was like the Arabic word for elephant but the, it looked like an elephant drawing, but it was actually, you know, the the illustrate uh, calligraphy of the word elephant in Arabic or whatever it might have been.
1: I mean, yeah, there's definitely a word for that. I don't know what it is either, but there is one, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> what's what's particularly good about it with role-playing, I think, is it's, it's using art and what you're doing together in one place, yeah. if you know what I mean. It's bringing two things together, the two worlds. It's not just something fancy thrown in there for the sake of it, or you've found some clip art or something It's like, this is putting word and art together to produce something which I think is really clever.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good. And the first edition was a a, a beautiful book with mostly line art, I think. Um a lot of it's yeah. in the layout and in like you said the little calligraphy stuff. There's not there's it's a a bit like Troika in that from what I remember of the first edition there's not a lot of it's very stylized, wasn't it?
0: That's the word. But yeah, there's not sure. there's
1: not illustrations of there's not a picture of an adventuring party like Fighting some beast yes. men or anything—it's—it's very—it's yeah. all left in your mind, which is a, a bold choice. And like I say, it works for Rain, works for troika It's—it's a, it's a good way to, to to plan it. Another way to approach the art in your game, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you've got any more. I'll just chuck one more in there, Go which is—we've uh we've been playing a John Harper game, as as I said once. We've been playing a gone for some some weeks, uh, and that's good for um, the art in there quite often emulates the sort of stuff you see on the side of pottery and stuff like that in Greece yeah, it's it got does. that kind of feel to it and because this is a John Harper game the graphic designs second to none and it all fits together as a functionally useful book while looking quite pretty at the same time and got good iconography and things like that so I didn't want to like keep banging on about this one game all the time because I'm sure listeners are bored. <laughs> but I, th- I feel the need to enter it into honourable mentions right at the end. Yeah. If you thought you got away with it, listeners, tough. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah No podcast can can pass without mentioning Agon <laughs> some way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so. That's I think that's it for me. We could go on forever, obviously, yeah, yeah. but I'm aware we're close to time. Are there uh, any other honourable mentions? Or are, are you? I
1: think that's. My, I mean, it's it's worth saying there are lots of games out there, and there's certainly like I think. From what I've heard, I could have put Pelgrane's *The Yellow King* game in there, um, mm. but I've not actually, I've not got it or seen it really. Apart from *The Outside of the Box*, um, lots of people say stuff, good stuff about. Is it *Invisible Sun* the Monty Cook? Yes. Big box again. It's this is this the the limiting factor in this I think is probably what games we we own, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> the, the size of our gaming libraries, which while large, <laughs> are prodigious, um, are not complete. <laughs>
0: No, that's true. I guess uh, another couple of if you like um, nice mechs, you could look at the Lancer RPG. Yeah. If you bought the Black Lives Matter bundle of uh, H.io recently, that's in there, so that's worth looking at if you like big walkie robot things. Uh, and the other quick one I'll mention uh, is the Mythic D6 supplement that's just come out, um, Terror Oblivion, oh, which yeah. is just kickstarted. And I'm not even sure what the game's about, but it's to sort of illustrate that some good artwork that's inspirational can drag you into it yeah. so i've just seen some cool looking pictures i guess it's a pulpy sort of game i think there's airships and stuff um that, there's bold adventurers doing things that's it so it's very pulpy um, you know it's,
1: it's good you can i mean there is i've just done a review of the core system on my blog actually so good good product placement there From so that's that's uh, get that right in um but yeah it's pulpy it's i think in the, my review I, I i almost refer to it as fish punk but I don't. That's that's definitely a word I've just made up. I'm not sure if it's. You might just put me off. Yeah, <laughs> it's like flying fish in the sky, and they build they build the like ships around it.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you kind of got an up down upside down giant squid or something, but with a ring round it of yeah, industrial stuff. Yeah. I like it, that. Don't. Yeah, it looks cool. I will look forward to reading it because. Um... But there you are, there you go, RPG producers. If you produce some good and interesting art, then i might like, just buy your stuff regardless and work out later yeah. and it's something I actually want, <laughs> but he can draw you in. So yes, I think we're about time. We rattled through that at a breakneck pace, but I managed to get through a top 10 and some others. Uh, if you're out there in listener land and have some glaringly obvious books that we should be talking about or looking at, do let us know. Cause we always like to, to see that sort of stuff. Thanks very much to you, Guy, for coming on and being our stunt Baz for yeah, this week. It's been a pleasure. Good to have you. And uh, if you want to see more of what Guy's got to say, then go to the Burn After Running blog. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you can check out his advice on running uh, one-shot games, yeah. which is always useful. So Excellent. Okay. Until next time, then, Daniel says, bye for now.
1: Yeah, bye.